What's going on, everyone? This is Mitch from RespectWarrior.com coming back with another episode of the RMR Podcast today, joined by special guests out here in the PNW, Willamette Valley Alchemy. I got Derek and Bryce. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, doing good. Yeah, man, over here in Eugene, you know, it's smoking hot here in Oregon right now. It's uh, kind of the main topic everybody's on, but we're staying cool, and so are our extracts. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I know I told you guys via email, but, you know, for the people out there, these guys were one of the the few people to ever score a perfect score on our West Coast Weed Tour reviews or any of our reviews. I can't remember exactly what product it was. We didn't even link up with you guys personally. We just bought it randomly at a store. Uh, you know, we shop at dispensaries all the time asking people what the best products are, what the most popular products are. Sometimes those are different categories. Uh, but I can't, somebody recommended one of your guys, I think it was a pack spot or a cart or something. And Joey, one of our guys reviewed it. I got a perfect 10 out of 10. And that is very, very rare, very rare for love us. So. Love, love to hear that. Our, uh, our carts are definitely very, very well, highly, highly spoken and well recommended by bug tenders in the state. So. And thanks for the support. Just scoop through the stores. It's all about um, is is just getting this into people's hands and and letting them kind of make their own decision. Um, and I think that's kind of what led us to 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 you know to where we are today, uh, which is still out here, still on the market um, since now it's been seven years. So out here hustling, and we're gonna go we're gonna go over the uh, little bit of history here in a second. And then talk about the current state of the market. But I start off every episode with our guest origin stories around cannabis. So Bryce, we'll start with you, and then we'll move to Derek. But I'm just curious, you know, personal or professional, your your origin story with, with cannabis. For sure, um, Derek. Do you want to give a kind of blip on Derek's touch? Mine's kind of a weird one. I didn't really anticipate being in the cannabis industry. I was in school, going to school to be a mechanical engineer, and I was a big stoner. I got a job at a dispensary as like a front desk person just because I thought it'd be easy. And then kind of just grew more passionate about cannabis as time went on and worked my way up the ranks and ended up managing that dispensary for a long time. And then uh, got hired on the WBA about a year ago and uh, gone through three different positions here. And uh, now I'm the director of sales here and it's it's been great. It's been a very interesting industry and um, I'm glad I chose this over over uh, you know school, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, what, what about you, Bryce? Um, my relationship to cannabis started when I was very young. Um, my family, I'm the youngest of five siblings. Um, my family has <clears> always <throat> kind of had that outside high for Thanksgiving dinner. You know, my sister would go for rolls with me around the around the neighborhood. And it's just it's always kind of been part of my life. Um, I mean, I could say, I, I remember finding hash, talking babysitters into it when I was like 13 years old. Somehow I ended up with a ball of hash. Um, I've always been very interested in, um, in not only what the medic medicinal benefits I feel I um, get from cannabis. Um, I mean, at a young age, I was ADHD, immediately 14 years old, uh, diagnosed medications, things like that, that I didn't always try to tinker away from. And, cannabis regardless just has always been a staple you know but not you know being responsible at 18 is when that really that light switch turned on i understood you know more about how it works in me and uh and it's just it's always been something i've enjoyed um i've always had it in my pocket and then since people have appreciated my quality and procuring it it's been a build up work 
talking about the traditional markets in Florida. We're on Tallahassee, Florida. Very illegal there. Um, a lot of stigma based around it. Uh, you know, and I've kind of seen a lot of the different aspects from the underground. Knowing that, I moved somewhere safe in 2012 of May. Um, I was 21 years old. So it was 10 years ago now. Uh, I moved out to Eugene, Oregon, where I had family uh, through my in-laws that always told me that's a safe place to go. They've got a medical program. You can get legitimate here as far as just being a patient, not company-based. Just you'd be a patient and not get arrested for a damn seed or stem. Um, nothing you're doing is bad. Break the stigma. Um, and work through medical until, yeah, I kind of talked my – my uh, business partner is now moving out, and it's just but my passion for cannabis has only uh, increased. Um, I grow a little on my own time, but mostly just so that I'm super in tune with my own growers. Uh, I'm the owner and founder of this business, William Valley Alchemy. Chose the name because uh, because of the terroir where we're at. It's just like wine. It's just like beer. That's how we're selling it to demographic over the age of 21, adult use. and. Um, you know, although it's more more of a wellness product than those, um, that's the kind of parallel roads uh, we work here at Willamette Valley Alchemy and try to represent. Absolutely, and we look at it like the Appalachian, right? Just like wine, of like where cannabis is grown at. Oregon is one of those places that's long been. I'll say slept on. You know, like if you really know, Southern Oregon has been home to a lot of you know fed a lot of the country a lot of good cannabis for many decades. I know a lot of people look at cali or specifically the emerald triangle but anyone that's like actually involved with this I, I feel like that's a good like if someone knows about oregon then they're involved if not you know everybody knows about cali but if you're involved you know that oregon has this history um and then also you know it's also an agricultural area as well the willamette valley so it's a nice appellation um what what has all gone into like selecting the cannabis that you guys use to run for concentrates? Like what, what do you guys look for and kind of vet for, for raw input materials? And real quick, before we, we change into that, and I think yep. Oregon was the most progressive as far as the first medical marijuana program um, established domestically. So yes, like Colorado turned on for rec, but Oregon had the medical program. And so yes, a hundred percent why we're here. Um, but going back to to the question, the question was, what, what do you guys look for, like in raw materials and, and flour that you're putting in? Obviously, concentrates. You got to look at the input. I know, you know, concentrates can kind of mask some not as great input, right? Flour that might sell as just flour itself, but obviously, quality in, quality out is 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 the the mathematical equation there. So, what all do you guys look for for those those inputs, like the the, the raw materials you're putting on the input for concentrates? Great question, because it's one of the most important ones that any extractor should focus on, um, especially if they're not uh, reliant on single source inputs. Um, Procuring material, uh, which is essentially uh, collecting the material, deciding what we use as inputs. Yeah, so important. How do we? Um, well, there's a couple different things. You know, it's, it's tuning producers that, that um, are all intentionally organic. That's one of the first steps, you know, they got to do their best to be uh, environmentally friendly, um, grow, you know, we own, um, and we just feel like that's a, that's a great way to feed the plant exactly needs in order to uh, produce proper uh, oils and proper like hardened off glandular trichome heads more for the hash. But yes, there is a difference in, you know, uh, 
in material a lot of times, like what you can make with, uh, I call it hydrocarbon extract, that's, that's BHO, that's BHE, that's blended hydrocarbon extract. Um, it's the best way to describe it is a botanical extraction process uh, because it's used in other industries. Vanilla is used to uh, make a lot of different flavoring. These aren't like new, they're new for the cannabis industry, but uh, yeah, you gotta be really specific. I walk rows of plants, I check with my growers as much as we can. Um, to, um, to get in at any intentional organic material. A lot of it's strain based. You know, a lot of it's hype strain based. A lot of it's small batch. You don't want big batches of things. Um, so there, there's a lot of working close with the grower that goes into choosing our material. And I think the more it, it shows, like the more quality extracts and concentrates we make, are the closer relationship we have with that producer. You know, freshness, getting it fresh. We also help with like uh, harvest techs. Um, and we working with all these variety of growers, it gives a huge benefit for Willamette Valley Alchemy and our success because it allows us to understand all these different growing methods, understand how they process, and then be able to help elevate all those companies together, whether one harvests better, one straight grows better, one stores best. Applying all that helps elevate all of us in collaboration. Co-branding on a package, you know, you're, it's a good question because there's a lot of steps between it. And again, I can always kind of go off on this shit. So excuse me for wasting time. <laughs> no, no, no waste of time. All, all valuable inputs. All valuable input. Um, and and that, that was another question I had: is, is the approach of collaborations and like, what do you approach versus? Or, or you guys list every farmer like farm you source on on the packaging or you just do that for select collabs you can source every, all of our products back to the grow whether it's retreats edibles boom rogue farmer on the side you know um whether it's our liquid live raws parts boom it's something that i felt was really important when we had the first license in the state we recreationally active as processors so something i felt was really important was that that farm that we're into with them we're not just white labeling their stuff out Folks, they want that extra info. They want to know, hey, I love the flower from that, that spot. I got to try the oil, you know, and then it works the other way around. I love the oil from that, from that uh, you know, from that collaboration. I got to have the flower. And honestly, joining the flower, you got to make sure that the, the flower product's good um, before we, we, you know, choose to, to run it or not. And grading the material, and it's different every harvest batch and, um, you know, seasonally, indoor, outdoor, greenhouse. Um, strains perform different under all these circumstances. And so, yeah, we, we feel it's important to, to, for the story to have the farm portrayed on all of our packaging. I love that. I think it adds some elements of transparency, but it's also very much thinking ecosystem first, which is a way that I, I like to personally approach things. You know, we're all in this together. We all exist in this market. You know, as the market elevates, you know, rising tides raise all ships. Um, Derek, from your, your perspective of like knocking on doors um, and dispensaries, how much do dispensaries um, prioritize or enjoy like that transparency in the packaging of labeling where the flower comes from? Because I know not a lot of concentrate brands that source do that. You'd be really surprised at how many dispensaries buy um, product based on the farm that the, that the flower is procured from. Um, you know, they're, they're really... The market is flooded with a lot of distillate products, a lot of products where you don't know where it's coming from. It's just kind of like sour diesel. Where, where did that sour diesel through it? Like, is it is it does it have added terps? Like, we don't really know, you know. And so it's like a lot of the you know bigger conglomerate companies that are coming in are just 
kind of just not really giving the customer that information. And I feel like Oregon is very conscious about that. And so a lot of the intake managers, a lot of the dispensary workers, and obviously a lot of the customers want to know that. And so that's why a lot of people turn to our product because of the transparency and also just, uh, you know, kind of like craft cannabis, uh, you know, all no, I, I love I love that, and and that and that makes complete sense. What's the what's the current state in your guys' perspective of the Oregon market as a whole, right? Like I know over the last few years, there's been a massive oversupply. Being one of the first states, a lot of people kind of went there, and it, it and it got big without certain license caps. Um, has the market stabilized a little bit, or what does the market kind of look like at the current moment? So, the cannabis industry right now is. Uh, is is a, a hard one to compete in for a lot of reasons um and you know a lot is oversaturation and the inability to sell this over state lines that's the that's the most difficult part um is we are all bound and i'm saying when we when i say all i mean oregon recreational companies we're competing with we're all bound to our state border so like you know even though we have recreational states south you know north south um, and East and we got Nevada, uh, Idaho hasn't turned on yet, a little less progressive, but, um, we have, you know, potential to do interstate commerce between these, um, and feed larger markets, um, because Oregon is progressive and we have now figured out how to make a lot of product that's available for rec sale. So even though California is a, the largest economy in the world and the United States, and they're having more trouble creating these rec products. So like we could even be, so like, it's, it's just, it's hard knowing that, that like we're unable to serve the largest demographic possible and operate just like a normal business would. Um, you know, we're still at the end of the day, federal outlaws with scheduling. There's no denying that, <clears throat> excuse me, we can sleep better, you know, being rec and having the licenses and playing by all the rules and, it feels good not to not to have to uh, you know play those old hustling habits, but I'll tell you, man, it's 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 hard out here um, to make it. And what it really takes is is uh, having a really good team that shares a vision um, and really pushes the brand and understands the importance of uh, customer loyalty and uh, making sure that we're consistent with our products, so that when you're mom dad brother sister uh friends all go into a dispensary here in the state of oregon they could blindly just be like i just want anything with the shield just whether it's edibles capsules carts dads just you know just like let's just see let's let's just see the any of the Willamette valley stuff is that's kind of what we're going for um is that customer focus on that customer customer loyalty and really focus on customer service um and so it takes extra work Right now, it takes extra work. It takes running extra hours um, to survive. And if you're not running a lean, mean ship, your boat's already sunk. And I see people closing their doors. I see people shutting down that are good friends of mine, that are breeders, that are leaders in this industry. Um, shout out Geek Farm. Shout out Heroes of the Farm. I feel for everybody. Um, you know, and, and yeah, we're just doing what we can to survive. Uh, but they haven't really set us up for clear success by keeping it so overregulated. Would you agree? That's a lot to unpack, but um, no, I, I do. I do agree with him. Um, I think. I think right now the market's just in a weird. It's in a weird spot. Um, I was reading an article in High Times last week, actually, about um, 
you know, the cannabis industry in Oregon is at like an, a, a three-year low essentially in the in the month of June, and uh, seven ten is the first week of July. And I noticed a lot of dispensaries ordered a ton of product for this anticipated seven ten, thinking it was going to be like a four twenty. Um, and a lot of a lot of their sales fell flat on their face. I mean, it's just the reality is the demand wasn't there for the product that these companies, you know, spent over their budget to buy, and now they're all sitting on this product. So it's you know, it's things like that that are hurting the industry. Um, we're going off of COVID numbers right now. And during COVID, nobody had anything to do but to smoke weed. Now people are going back to work. You know, they're back in office. They can't just be, you know, stoned at work in the office like they could at home. So I think that there's a lot of uh, a lot of change going on right now with it being summer, COVID kind of slowing down. And obviously the economy doesn't help either, but you know, that's a whole nother topic. So better numbers than ever in the dispensaries though. Y'all go get them. There's some deals out there. There's some deals. That's for sure. Woof. Woof. So a lot it's a buyer's of market. Y'all go have fun with that. It is a buyer's market right now for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We're seeing a surplus, I think in most markets right now, most mature markets, right. That have had demand. Some of the newer markets, they, they, they don't, they don't have the supply yet, but any of those markets that are mature, you're seeing a, a, a yeah the customers benefiting from from quality dropping this some all-time lows totally in, in terms of price and, and and bryce you were talking about you know the customers and putting the customer first and, and one of the things with the customer you know in this market right like we see across the country you know there's different segments but the largest segment is those chasing thc and price right they want the, the combination of the most thc for the lowest price for right or for wrong it's what we see uh, but being in a state like Oregon, you know, that has had, you know, whether you call it traditional market, black market, medical, whatever, the, the pre-rec market, people were able to buy good products at a good price for a long time. And you implement this legal system that taxes the shit out of everything. It raises the price. Um, in California, they say like 80% of the transactions on cannabis or 70 to 80% are outside of the system within the state of California. Mm -hmm. My get, I haven't seen any figures on the Pacific Northwest. I feel like Washington, Oregon is a little bit less just because our, our price to the consumer ends up being lower. But what have you guys noticed in, in kind of watching that transition from the old style to this rec market? in a state where consumers are used to quality and used to affordable prices. Like you feel like they transition to the rec market pretty, pretty somewhat smoothly, or do you think that's kind of been a friction and there's still a lot of people left behind in terms of consumer standpoint? I mean, it's been, it's been a hustle to create a brand um, that folks can trust and believe in. Um, you know, it's, it's, the folks you think will support, you know, don't, it's kind of like seeing who your real friends are in a way. Um, it hasn't been smooth sailing, uh, trying to build up, you know, these just to be so consistent and so on point all the time, you know, it's draining, but like, that's what, that's what this company is about. And, um, but nothing, it has been anything but smooth sailing, switching from, from the unregulated market to, uh, you know, 35 cameras in my phone, alarms, multiple facilities, drivers running out doing dispatch. We do all of our own distribution. Um, so we're running, you know, dispatch and, and things all week long. We do that also to, uh, to, you know, to focus on the brand and customer service. And we do these extra things um, all just to, to, again, so folks can understand the quality and then bet on that. I mean, that's what we got. I think, 
I think the market uh, gone wreck. A lot of people that maybe wouldn't have used or tried cannabis um, now have because it's regulated, it's tested. Yeah. Um, you know, I have family members, grandparents, people that, you know, I mean, I used to be grounded for, you know, if I had fine in my bong. And, and now it's like, you know, people I know that were super against it, they use things in the cannabis industry. It doesn't always mean it gets them high, but, you know, solves topicals, tinctures, CBD, CBD edibles, you know, I mean, huge gateway. It's, it's, it's really, I think it is uh, helping a lot of people and opening people's eyes. But I also, I also agree with Bryce that there is still uh, kind of a, a black market out there for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be tough to get rid of that. You know, with the, the, the black market is home to the, the legacy smoker, right? Who's been smoking the most weed, spending the most money on it, knows the most about it. And, yeah. and, you know, when you're smoking that, that level of product, you got to take, you got to take price into consideration. Uh, you know, if you're smoking a, a gram or more a day of oil or, you know, an eighth or day, more a day of flour, like it's, it's, it's tough to do that. Um, Some of the prices are all over the board. You know, you have to, you have fifteen dollar grams of rosin. You have hundred dollar grams of rosin. Right. All in the same stores, and it's both rosin, so it's pretty wild. But like, you know, how does the consumer supposed to understand that? That is just an average person, not in the cannabis industry, you know. But having a positive outlook has been our biggest thing, and and again, I I I say it's hard and things like that, but I'm so grateful to be here and like blessed to be participating um, in in something that is revolutionary, which is. The, you know, this, this laying down the groundwork for this cannabis industry and keeping it cool. And, and, um, and I, I thoroughly, it, it's fulfilling. I thoroughly enjoy my job. I'm still working with cannabis and that's kind of why I always made the switch. And when a lot of folks are like, no, it's not going to be a system that works and it could never work. Like my, my traditional industry folk, talk it down when we switched over i just the whole time i kept telling them i just don't want to stop making oil i don't want to mm -hmm. stop making products for people so like that that's all you know and, and sure enough we're still here we're not going anywhere what are what are some of your guys's top popular product skews i mean obviously you know running concentrates you run probably a lot of different strains and individual products but you guys have kind of a wide variety of, of product offerings skew wise what are some of the ones that, that you guys feel like Willamette Valley Alchemy is most well known for? Currently, it's our liquid live resin, liquid cured resin, and liquid live rosin. We hold trademarks um, on all those. And here in the state that we've innovated um, to produce these products, live resin being probably the most popular. Essentially, right when that vape ban hit, um, and a lot of folks were getting in trouble for additives. Um, that we knew about, um, we never, we never used additives. We never test ran with additives. We knew that we were able to um, make cannabis extracts, like shatters and things like that, into this beautiful, um, this beautiful pen formulation. And then we focused on it for a long time. And so, yeah, it's been our our biggest seller. It just it puts the farm in your pocket. So farm to pocket's been our our branding on that, and it's it's true. We use a wood tip is uh, the most eco-friendly cart option on the market, being in a recyclable box with a wood tip, glass, metal, ceramic. Like, you know, yes, we have to throw these things away, but ours, we support refilling. We sell drippers for less expensive. So um, even there, we're, we're, you know, we're trying to innovate and, and make this more environmentally conscious, like, or take a more environmentally conscious approach to cartridges um, because they've been so popular.
Yeah, and, and I, I can see that carts are definitely one of the most popular categories in cannabis, and I feel like they're for everyone. The person who hasn't quite moved to like smoking flour or taking dabs yet, a cart is kind of a, a healthy, you know, training wheels to that. And then anyone that smokes a lot of flour, they still smoke, whether they like carts or not, they still smoke them because there's times where you can't can't be yeah. super loud with the yeah. flour. Yeah, I mean, winds blowing under all circumstances, you can always just push that button. And you know, we just started dropping these awesome hardware to try to to try to match. So we've been uh, selling a lot of like awesome. 510 vape batteries, those have been extremely popular. Um, we do artist collaborations and renditions, put, put them on the box, and then uh, and then release seasonal colors so people are able to, you know, like differentiate their, their oil. They just have fun with it. It's a fun line. Um, and that's what we're going to continue to do with it is just continue innovating and making it um, – fun for the consumer you can get the one that matches your your whole you know your whole your whole setup and it's sweet you know like i'll pull them out and match my shoes like you know you got all the different colorways and flavors it's sweet he, he loves his shoes so. oh <laughs> <laughs> car 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 battery got to be matching the shoes i, I well, like that I like your, it's like that i like your style. we probably do have a battery that that match your shoes that too. <laughs> We got a lot of designs nowadays. Yeah, it's fun though. Carts are popular, but dabbables like hash and rosin and stuff like that is what we're really passionate about. That's where it all starts before stuff gets turned into formulation. So it better be fire, um, you know, from start to finish to even make it into the cart. So there's no masking. Again, we love our dabbables. I got a lot of glass and and uh, we try we try all these products in a, in a handful of different ways before deciphering whether it goes to carts to dabbables to edibles to capsules and those are the edibles the retreat edibles when did that was that something you started right around the start or was it something you guys kind of grew into as willamette valley was was pushing in the legal market so pre pre-branding them as retreats willamette valley alchemy um on the traditional market and the medical um we were making gummies we were making gummy okay. squares um we actually had some friends that were helping us with it um shout out to my Shout out to my, my middle America homies. You know who you are. But we used to put those out on the medical market just in Eugene. I think Amazon Organics used to get some. They're branded just as Willamette Valley Alchemy gummies. We actually had the first rosin edible ever on the medical market in Oregon. Um, mm. So we've always been progressive with it, even though we were selling. You know, there was other people making gummies um and things like that but now where retreats has moved and where it's, it's evolved is something completely different it's now it's, it's where we've always dreamed it's a it's a totally made from scratch um, my sister-in-law lynn sherman is her it's, it's her brainchild essentially um we love the idea of a retreat taking a retreat taking a vacation um taking on vacation um they're they're all real fruit and it took like 52 54 recipes to get where we're at with it um so yeah it's it, yes we had them but now where retreats is is somewhere really special we got like an endless summer line where we'll do kind of like it's kind of like the tropical skittles pack you know we got like banana different flavors but um but yeah it's it's progressed and is now it really speaks to that high quality WVA vibe. And how much how much of that has been, um, you know, getting into edibles? Because obviously the start of that is a concentrate, right? That's how, how you infuse these things in this market. How much of it has been about 
for you guys and focusing on having that right starting material, not starting material in terms of the flour, but the, the concentrates and what concentrates that you put into to edibles. Obviously, I heard you say hash. So do you guys do hash and uh, VHL infused or? or it's all the same oil. Yeah, yeah, no, we use we have we have uh like for instance, this is a solventless, and this is also a vegan. So this we infuse with rosin, um, and and they're vegan. That's from Rogue Farmer. But then you know we'll do straight our oil from our botanical hydrocarbon line, and uh, this is from East Fork. These are more CBD forward. Um, so how do we choose it? We we like using high quality inputs for everything. Um, we don't really have a need to run crude so we don't we don't infuse crude or distillate currently into any of our products which is a huge difference between wba retreats right. and and um uh, any other competition on the market out there people may have real fruit gummy or something like that but ours is like strain specific take it back to the farm um and again we've never had to run crude so we put high quality oil in and we feel it helps the experience. We think you've got terp burps. You taste the terpenes in there a little bit. Um, and, you know, that's what we prefer. That's our niche. Yeah, you guys are definitely focused on from that, not doing crude, not doing distillate, keeping it high quality, and then representing the farmer. That's, I taught, you know, I, I live in Washington, but I, I spend a lot of time in a lot of different cannabis markets. That's that's very unique for, for a concentrate brand. Very, almost unheard of, honestly. Thank you. It's been hard to hold true to it because we, we're competing with these crazy low prices of folks yeah. that just can use distillate, you yeah. know, and then people and consumers are like, ah, you know, their numbers and price. And so it's it takes a lot of extra education. So definitely follow at retreats um, on on IG um, retreats, WVA, um, WVA solvent list so that everybody can, can understand, you know, all this education and, and ask us any more questions. We always be receptive and, and on any of our social media platforms. Awesome, man. Well, well, honestly, I, I really appreciate you guys hopping on here, making the time today, battling through yeah. some pushbacks, a little bit of technical delays, but we, but we got it done for anyone out there. One more information, Willamette Valley Alchemy.com. He dropped a couple of the IGs. I know the main one is Willamette underscore Valley underscore Alchemy <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. Guys like likely hit with uh, some uh, some previous accounts being taken down or something. I assume. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you know it just like every other cannabis company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we got an underscore in ours, man. Anytime I start, you start seeing words, you already know what time it is, man. <laughs> and and y'all stay tuned with respect, my region. We appreciate y'all. Yeah, thank us. you so much for having us. Push positive. Yeah. Keep up those good vibes, man. That's how we got to make it. We got to band together here for the love of cannabis. Awesome. Thank. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. I'll be reaching out, man. Next time we run through, roll through Eugene. We gotta, we gotta link up in person, man. I gotta come see the facility. Absolutely, got, come to her at any time. And we got a promo pack with your name on it, so do it. Bless. All right, man. Well, appreciate you guys. This is another episode of the RMR podcast. We got back to back. We got another episode coming up here shortly.